Sponsorship of the KQED live audio stream comes from Xfinity Mobile, featuring customized wireless plans. Customers can choose unlimited, buy the gig, shared data, or a mix of both and switch it up anytime. Learn more at XfinityMobile.com. From KQED in San Francisco, this is the Writer's Block. Please note, this podcast is a little racy in spots. If you have a delicate constitution and choose to continue listening, good for you. Hi, my name is Brian Copeland. I'm a writer, actor, and comedian. What you're about to hear are a few excerpts from my book, Not a Genuine Black Man. The book is based on my one-man show of the same name, which appeared in Los Angeles, Off-Broadway, and is the longest-running one-man show in the history of San Francisco theater. The book is about my experiences as one of the first black residents of the Northern California city of San Leandro, California, at a time when it was 99.99% white and one of America's most segregated suburbs, even though it bordered Oakland with a half-black population. It also deals with what it means to be black in America and who has the right to make that determination. Chapter 1, Double Negatives. Did you ever have a day that, even though you didn't know it at the time, would change the course of your entire life? I had a day like that. Images from that day that play out in my head like the scenes in a movie. Images of hands, little hands. My little eight-year-old hands reaching across a square glass coffee table towards a deck of blue bicycle playing cards. You know the ones with the squiggly hieroglyphics and the three circles in the middle and the little naked chubby angel on a bike riding towards you. Suddenly another hand darts into the picture, a smaller hand, an annoying little hand with chipped red nail polish and a thumb flattened from years of sucking. My sister Tracy, she's six. It's my deal, she shouted in her lisping, high-pitched voice. You know, it's been 30 years and I still don't know what her deal is. We were in our house in the northern California town of Hayward, playing rummy, or as my family calls it, 500. I'm glad that we were playing because it had been a rough day. I needed a distraction. I said, it's my deal, she ranted. No, it's my deal, I shouted back right at her. Mom! My younger sisters, Delisa, age four, and Tanya, two, looked up from their Barbie camper. Too young and disinterested to play cards, they were taking Barbie and one of my G.I. Joes out on a date. The shrieking of the word mom broke the magic of their imaginary outing. It was almost Pavlovian the way a cold shiver would run down all of our spines when one of us yelled for mom. My mother sat across the coffee table on her gold velvet couch that was hermetically sealed in plastic. To keep it fresh, I guess. It was scorching outside, but in spite of the heat, my mother was poised and regal. She'd been a print model when she was younger, and she always maintained her perfect posture. Her smooth hands, tipped with perfectly manicured nails, rested in her lap as Tracy and I eagerly awaited her decision in our dispute. Suddenly another hand darted into the picture, a bigger hand, bigger than mine and Tracy's put together, a hand that's known work, hard work, grandma's, oh, give me the doggone cards. Grandma, wearing a flowered dress with a white apron, sat next to my mother on the couch. She'd spent the morning cooking at one of the convalescent hospitals in Oakland and would spend the evening taking care of us. She was capable, no nonsense. I said, give me the doggone cards. 
Grandma took the cards and dealt them, and as always, Tracy has to start trouble. Mommy, I don't got no wild cards. No, Tracy, it's I don't have any wild cards. I don't got no is a double negative, which cancels itself out. So that would mean you do have wild cards. Tracy studied her cards in confusion and then showed them to Mom. Where? Can't hold your cards when she can't see them, Grandma said, showing Tracy's cards away from my mother's gaze. You see, when my family plays 500, we play with wild cards. Deuces and jokers are wild. They're worth 50 points and can be used in place of any other card. I was intently studying my cards when I heard a loud smack as though someone had just been slapped in the face. I looked up to see my mother with a joker stuck to her forehead. Whenever she'd get a wild card, she'd stick it to her forehead to suck the rest of us out. Incidentally, that's one of the joys of being black, oilier skin. It's bad when you're young because of acne, but when you're older, you don't wrinkle. You've heard the expression, black don't crack? That's where it comes from. My wife is my age and Caucasian. She says that 40 years from now, she's going to look it, but I'm still going to look good. We go places, it'll be like I'm driving Miss Daisy. Smack! My mother had a joker stuck to her forehead, and all of that regal stuff just went right out the window. Yeah, you got another wild card, Grandma said. Shit. Sue. My mother never called my grandmother anything other than Sue. Grandma's siblings called her sister. When my mom was little, it came out of Sue, so it stuck. Ooh, Grandma said a bad word, Tracy intoned the gleeful profanity police. Sue stopped cussing, and Tracy had told you to call her Nana. Tracy, always the shit disturber. Mommy, where were you born? Providence, Rhode Island. My mother always told people that because Providence, Rhode Island is where white people come from. There's a factory they crank them out on an assembly line. You see, my mother really wanted white children. Now I now and I here I go, I'm stereotyping and profiling here, but come on. She wanted us to call Grandma Nana. Black people don't talk like that. Nana, might I trouble you for some old grits, please? Never in a million years. Providence, Rhode Island, she continued. Grandma huffed a disgusted shit. Sir, I asked you to stop cussing. The quit lying in the gal in. Providence, Rhode Island. Yo ass was born in Birmingham, same as me. Providence, Rhode Island, she insisted, gritting her teeth. Now you know I ain't never been in no doggone Rhode Island, so how in the hell was you born there? Now poor Tracy looked back and forth not knowing what to do because she knew that one of them was lying and whichever one she accused, rightly or wrongly, was going to smack her in the mouth. You see, in a white household you call an adult a liar, you get a timeout. In a black household, you call an adult a liar. You're lucky if you ever come to. You do not call an adult a liar in a black household. So I decided that I'm going to play the peacemaker. Well, you know, Grandma, maybe you start you in Birmingham, but you're really in Providence, Rhode Island, because in Rhode Island they put fire hoses and dogs on black people. Too. Boy, hoes, that gal was born in Birmingham. My mother refused to give in. Providence, Rhode Island. Our little geographical discussion was interrupted by a smell that wafted through the room. The musky smell of brute. You know that cheap men's cologne? Now that smell can mean only one thing. Sylvester, my father, would come walking in the house 
in about five minutes. Now, while we're waiting, let me tell you about it. Two years ago, Sylvester left the house saying he was going to the store and vanished. Three days ago, he came walking in with a bag of groceries, bitching about the long line. He was always doing that kind of stuff. When I was a kid, Sylvester was in the Army during the Vietnam War, and I swear to you, the first military term I ever learned was AWOL, absent without leave. I remember the MPs came knocking on the front door. My mother said, we we thought he was with you. He's not in here. Now Sylvester breezed into the room with his usual greeting. What's happening? Mommy was born in Providence, Rhode Island, Tracy said. Shit. Sylvester replied as he walked down the hallway to his bedroom. During this entire car game, I had been drinking Dad's old-fashioned root beer. He was pretty much the only Dad who had consistently been in my life up to that point. Is that black? Well, I'd had just about as much root beer as my little eight-year-old bladder can handle, so I got out to go to the bathroom. Now, in order to go to the bathroom, I had to walk down the hallway and past Sylvester's room. As I approached, I was quiet. I was always quiet around him because I was afraid that he'd tell me that I was cutting my eyes at him or something. That was a consistent refrain from Sylvester. Could cut new eyes at me. I didn't know what it meant then. I don't know what it means now. Could cut new eyes at me for ripping out of their goddamn sockets. I got so I would just close my eyes around them all together. Well, I'm just here with my dog and my cane, Dad. Well, tell that damn dog to quit cutting his eyes at me. Sylvester was crazy. I never knew what he was going to say or what he was going to do. He used to mess with my head. Hey, Brian, come here. Yes, Daddy? Knock, knock. Who's there? He then slapped me in the head and say, What the fuck did I tell you about answering the door when you don't know on the goddamn side of it? Once when I was five, I sniffed in a way that Sylvester thought was directed at him, and he grabbed my nose and pinched it so hard that it was bruised for a month. When people asked what happened, he said, Boy fell off his tricycle. I told his ass to be careful. As I approached Sylvester's room, I was quiet. I felt my stomach climb into my throat as I noticed that his damn door was open. Hey, he shouted. Yes? Quit sticking your lip out at me. You know, I got to tell you that it had been a hard day. The reason for the card game in the first place was that I'd come home from school upset and everybody was trying to cheer me up, distract me. That day at recess, I'd been playing kickball. And I want to tell you, I was the worst. I had no athletic ability at all. Not black, told you. That day I was in the outfield and this little red-headed kid came up to kick. He was the best kicker in the second grade. You know the one. He always got a home run every time he was up. Well, they kicked the ball directly to me, and for the first time in my life, I caught it. I mean, I actually caught it. Usually it would fall through my arms or bounce off my chest, but this time I caught it. I was ecstatic. I was elated. I was so happy for about 15 seconds till the kid looks me dead in the face and says, Nigger! Now, I'd heard the word before. Usually from Sylvester. He apparently thought it was my first name. He was always yelling at me. Nigga, turn that shit down. Nigga, close the door. It's cold in here. But I'd never heard it like this before. This was different. This hurt. 
Nigga, I said we're sticking your lip out of me. Sylvester screamed. Huh? You heard me, motherfucker. I'm not st sticking my lip out at you, Daddy. It's the way my lips are made. I turned and headed down the hallway. I got two, maybe three steps before I heard, Motherfucker, you must be crazy talking to me like that. Would you a man now, motherfucker? Huh? You a man now? You a man now, motherfucker? I was suddenly lying on the floor of the hallway with this grown man on top of me, my father strangling me. You a man now? Come on, motherfucker. Talk some more shit, you man. Talk some more goddamn shit, you a man. Out of nowhere came the voices of my mom, my grandma, my sister. Leave that boy alone. Stop it, you're killing him. Stop it, you're killing him. Let him go. I was coughing, crying, throwing up a little bit. Then suddenly it was quiet. Everybody was gone. My head rested in my mother's lap. I guess I must have blacked out. It's okay, he's gone, she sued. He's gone. I won't let him hurt you, I promise. We're going to get away from him. I don't know where, but I'll find us a place. Some place. I promise. I promise. The next day, my mother came walking in the door from work with a big grin on her face. It was as though she had a great big joker stuck right to her forehead. Guess what, she said. We're moving. I found us a place. A nice place. We're going to move to San Leandro. To subscribe to the Writer's Block and hear more stories, please visit kqed.org slash writer's block. The Writer's Block is produced by KQED.